Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Cartmacross Cross Credit Union, where you'll find the best car loan to get you on the move. Talk to one of our team today at Cartmacross Cross Credit Union, O'Neill Street, or CartmacrossCU.ie. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Get low as can be APR, zero deposit required, and finance arranged within four hours with all 192 pre-ordered Renaults. What are you waiting for? There's never been a better time to visit Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda, or Cavan. You're very welcome to Wednesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Lots of chat and interesting people to meet to come. And as well, I will remind you, it's Book Club Day on Late Lunch today. Margaret Madden with us. And we have six wonderful books to give away to one of you. So that's coming up after two with Margaret on today's show. And of course, it's a big birthday on Late Lunch today. Yes, Mr. Tommy Leddy enters his ninth decade. He's 80 today and he's joining us for a chat on the show later on in the afternoon. But beginning today, we return to the year 1975 and the date, the 6th of August. Because on that day, a two-year-old child from County Cork went missing at Butlin's holiday camp in County Mead. There was absolute pandemonium and that child was missing for the guts of 24 hours before she was found. On the show today, I'm joined by the young lady, she's not two anymore for sure, Colette Ryan is with us on the line, Martin Rowe here. He's the man who found her and the journalist who broke the story. You know him well. Mr Paul Murphy is in studio with us. You're all very welcome to the show. Let me begin with Colette Ryan. She's on the line. Good afternoon, Hi. Colette. How Hi, are you? how are you? I'm good. Well, I, it's no good saying to you, Colette Ryan, what <laughs> do you remember of the time? Sure, you remember nothing of it. But what I'm curious about is this. Why has this story re-emerged into the public domain at this time? What, did something prompt you? Well, yeah, it's always uh, it's always been a story that we've we've spoke about at home amongst ourselves, you know. Yeah. Um, now, um, about two well, two and a half years ago, I became a grandmother, and um, I searched for Martin um, around that time, and I couldn't find him. Um, and that's when I got the the newspaper article um, from the archives um, from a library, actually. And um, as I, said, I tried to find him and I couldn't. So becoming a grandmother was one thing that wanted me to look for him. Um, seeing things differently now that I'm a lot older. And the other thing then, I got married last year and my mother had a massive heart attack two weeks before the wedding. Um, now, thankfully, she survived it. She had three stents uh, put in. And um, that was another thing that wanted me to, you know, try and find Martin. 
And I've been thinking about it a lot since last July. And um, uh, there was a there was a chat on our local radio station here in Cork, Red FM, about Madeleine McCann case. And I just decided to send in the newspaper article to them. Um, you know, I feel very lucky. I've had a great life. Um, and uh, it just snowballed from there. When I read the story, and I wasn't that familiar with it, I have to be honest. Yeah. You were one lucky wee child, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. You, you'd, you'd never hear of that today if it happened today, no. of the child being found safe and well, you know. Yeah. So your family were on holiday from uh, right. from Iron Cork in Butlins, mm-hmm. and you were enjoying yourselves. And were you at a mother and baby show? Was that it? Yeah, well, my dad and my brother, he was nine at the time, um, they had been entered into a father-son competition. And um, after the competition was over, mum wanted to take a picture and she had to let go of my hand and that was it. She, <laughs> it's the worst thing she could have done. I was gone. <laughs> you were on your merry way and out yeah. through a hole in the fence you went. Yes, out through a hole in the fence, yeah. And... Um, the Dublin-Belfast main railway line, as everybody knows, right. is between the holiday camp and the sea. Yeah. And yeah. you had nothing with you except one precious thing. Tell them what that was. My red ball. <laughs> <laughs> and you weren't letting go of that ball for dear life. No, apparently I, I went to bed with this ball. I was glued to it for the whole holiday. And um, I wasn't. it wasn't leaving my side. So... I, I disappeared with the ball and I've sp- spoken to my dad about it on several occasions and he went to the radio station on the camp and asked them to put out an announcement um, which they they told him that they couldn't do because it wasn't policy. Children get lost all the time, they get brought back. But dad knew that I wouldn't let go of this red ball and a child would be noticed with a red ball, carrying a red ball around, you know. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, it was crazy. There were... 5,000 visitors, I think, uh, 5,000 camp visitors there on holiday and then 1,000 day visitors um, on top of that. Um, there was coaches starting to leave. My father was, the gardener were there at that stage and my father was uh, frantic trying to get them to stop the coaches in case I'd managed to get on a coach. You know, this child walking along with the red ball and somebody will help her up onto the steps just not thinking nothing of it, you know. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so then it it just it apparently it it when it you know got more frantic and mum was distraught. She had to be sedated in the sick bay or the medical bay or whatever you want to call it, and um, it went on through the night. The search, they tracker dogs. I do know, you know, speaking to my father, who today still gets frustrated and angry and upset when he talks about it. Um, he had to go and get peace. Of, piece of my clothing for the tracker dogs to pick up my scent Um, and that must have been I can't imagine you know how he must have been feeling doing that Um, must have been fearing the worst yeah um, and the dogs didn't didn't pick up on my scent. They didn't find me. Well, <laughs> it was Martin. <laughs> well, listen, let's get the man who uh, picked up the scent and actually found you and let's have a word with him. Yes, Martin Rowe yeah. is on the line. Stay there with me, will you, Colette, please? No problem, yeah. Martin, how are you? How are you? <laughs> Thank you so much for taking our call today. Will you take up the story there? How were you involved in the search? The, 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 the thing about it was that uh, I was on holidays with my wife, Elizabeth, uh, uh, in, in Mosney. Uh, it was our first uh, holiday together uh, after being married. 
uh, okay, we got married in 1973, but uh, uh, 1975 was our, really our first holiday uh, away. Uh, now, on the night before, the Colette was missing for about 19 hours or maybe more, and uh, uh, on the night before, uh, there wasn't much commotion. We didn't hear much. Uh, I uh, love uh, country and western music. I love country and western singing. And uh, I used to get up every night uh, for to uh, sing a few songs. And uh, I was involved in a, a talent contest, uh, which went fairly well for me. But the following morning when I went to breakfast... Uh, we heard about this little girl uh, who was missing and they were looking for uh, people to go out and search so I decided to go out uh, uh, and um, a group of us went down the back gate uh, out of Mosney and we seen the hole in the wire where Colette had uh, uh, got out and uh, we went down a bit further out the back gate and there was a wall dividing the main Dublin to Belfast railway line uh, and Mosney there was a break in that wall. Uh, people didn't want to go down. They said that you probably wouldn't go down that there. So I said I was going to have a look. And when I did have a look, uh, I spotted this red thing in the high grass. And uh, I, I shouted to people. I went down and had a look. And there uh, was this little girl asleep just about 100 yards from the railway line. She was about two miles uh, uh, maybe away from uh, from the actual camp itself because it's a good walk down. Now, uh, what I did was uh, I checked to see that she was breathing. I checked her carotid pulse because I, I was in the army for 25 years uh, and uh, I was a medic in the army and I knew about these things. Uh, she was breathing. Uh, when I did check, uh, she woke up. Uh, normally a child would cry when they see someone uh, around them but she didn't. Uh, the first thing she said was, don't take my red ball. She was, she clinged to this red ball. Uh, the, the, don't take this red, uh, the, the red ball. Uh, uh, I said, no, uh, I'm bringing you back up to her, uh, your mammy. And uh, she just clinged to me, uh, uh, and kept saying uh, not to take the red ball. That This was a, 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 a amazing uh, about it. The, the journalist that, that, that's with you, Paul, uh, um, he took a, 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 someone was with him that took a photograph uh, of us when we got back up and that photograph uh, took pride in my sitting room here uh, for many and many years okay we got the sitting room done up the photograph is probably up in a box in the attic uh, uh, now but uh, it's amazing the way that things go we, did, we didn't keep contact uh, and we, we kind of lost contact we had two friends that we met there, uh, an Eileen and uh, 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 Sean Knight uh, from Black Rock in Cork, uh, and we we kept contact with them for a while, but lost contact with them as well. Now, uh, the, the significance of it is that um, a few years ago, um, a friend of mine died, and his brother was home uh, from Australia, uh, uh, burying him, and uh, I went to sympathise with this chap. And I, I, I introduced myself to him. And when I did introduce myself to him, uh, he remembered me that his mother had sent out a cutting from the paper uh, of me uh, finding Colette. And he remembered me from that and he said uh, that, that she was very lucky. I haven't uh, really thought about this uh, until Colette got in contact with me, uh, how significant it, it, it actually has been. 
because um, there have been people gone missing uh, up here that, that have never been found. Yes. And, yes. Uh, uh, it could have been um, a hell of a lot worse and uh, it was a lovely, happy outcome to it, uh, uh, but she was so near the, the railway line that it could have been a tragedy. It could indeed. Now, let me bring in the journalist you're talking about because he's sitting here Thank patiently you. in studio and he wants to say hello to both of you as well. Paul Murphy, you're very welcome to the show. Who, t- who took that photograph? Uh, I think it's Tony Reddy. Was the photographer? And I haven't I haven't seen Tony for twenty five years. I'd say. You know? <laughs> what do you uh, recall of uh, the panic that ensued when you got this story? Yeah. Well, hello, Colette, and hello, Martin. <laughs> um, I uh, I'm a bit player in this. Uh, the the main players were Colette herself and her parents and Martin, of course. Uh, I arrived there. The, the search had gone on from the, the the 6th of August. So I arrived there for the Herald early the next morning. So um, it was all go from there. Now, when I, when I arrived, I met the managing director of Butlins, a man called, he's deceased now, Des Scaife. And he assured me that no child could possibly leave the campus. <laughs> my oh my! Did so, he want you? Did he actually, in a way, not want you to proceed with the the story? No, I don't think. So. I think they were quite reluctant because yes. they didn't. You know, they, they just didn't want to lose a guest like this. Of course. So uh, it was. Um, there was quite a lot of panic and uh, a lot of anxiety at the time. I know that. And uh, everybody had had a long night, but they say people were out searching all night. You see, and. Um, so it was a, it was one of the happy stories I've done, uh, I have to say, with a happy ending, which is very nice. Uh, we come across so much tragedy in our job. Yes. You know, it's nice when you... And, and, the, and the story about the red ball, of course, is fantastic and all the rest of it. It's amazing. Do so, you remember, though, the euphoria at the child being found? Oh, I do. There was absolute... Everybody was totally elated uh, that day. And um, there was a lot of cheering and all the rest of it. You know, and of course, Everybody was on holiday as well. But then you had these people who had been out all night searching and they were exhausted But at, at this stage. Uh, but um, uh, it worked out so well. And, and, and I'm delighted that for Colette and her family and uh, for Martin too. And, uh, the hero of the hour, the hero of course. Of the hour. And, and, and Paul, congratulations to you because I have the story, a copy of it here in front of me. You broke it in the National Press, in the Herald. I see your, your byline here on it as well. Missing child found after all night search, yeah. it says. And, you know, remember, we had nothing like we have today in terms of uh, communication links, you no. know, and the instantaneous nature of news today. Yes, absolutely. And I don't know, uh, Colette just mentioned there about going to the archives, I just don't know whether you'll be visiting the archives in 10 or 15 years' time. Yeah, well, that that is an interesting yeah. point. Colette, can I come back to you for a second? Do you recall anything of it? God, you were a very young child at the time. You've no me- recollection, yeah. do you? No, no recollection whatsoever. Um, only, I mean, we have photographs here of the holiday <clears throat> and, you know, taken around the campsite and stuff, but... I have no recollection whatsoever. Thank God, you know. And funny, though, um, I was saying to a, a journalist that done a piece down in the paper here in, in Fermoy, <clears throat> um, when all this erupted recently, you know, with the Late Late Show and yeah. Finding Martin and all that, I was actually having nightmares. Um, my husband, <laughs> My husband would actually wake me up frantically shaking me because he couldn't wake me and I'd be actually roaring and shouting in my sleep 
uh, you know, having these bizarre nightmares, and I don't remember them. Yes. When I wake afterwards, when I wake up, he's just he's just shaking me and telling me that I'm you know you'll, you'll wake the house, <laughs> be quiet, <laughs> and roaring, and, and that's ha- unless there's some unless yeah. I was distraught and mm-hmm. something is buried back there that you know. Yes. It, it, when I'm asleep, it's coming out, <laughs> but I've no remem- I've no memory of it at all. Yeah, but um, I, I'd say that could be a fact that it's deep within your psyche, even though you yeah. were so young at the time. It, it may be an explanation for it. What was it like when you met Martin? Oh, it was lovely. Um, now we spoke. I, I sent him a message through Facebook, and I sent him the photograph of the paper, the the article, and I asked him, was, was he the guy in the picture? I knew it was him. Because of his profile picture, I could see the resemblance, you know. Um, and uh, I just wanted him to confirm. And he messaged me back straight away and said that it was him. He was en route to Dublin at the time uh, for work. And he was contacting me when he got home that, you know, we were going to make contact with each other that night. And we spoke uh, for ages, you know. I even spoke to his wife, Liz. And we speak all the time, whether it's over the phone or by text or by messenger on Facebook. Um, you know, we, there isn't a, a couple of days might go by where we, we don't have contact with each other, you know. Um, and it's lovely. It, I feel like we, I've known him for years, you know. It's, yes. it's, it's, it's hard to explain. It's, I know, I know. And you know, something we were saying about Paul was saying there uh, about despairing about archives in years to come. Yeah. Isn't it funny the way the new technology has facilitated you making contact again and, and, yeah. and staying in contact as well? But what a lovely moment. I take it, Martin, you feel uh, similar, warm towards Colette and everything that happened? Yeah, the, 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 it, it's the way that it actually broke because, uh, uh, as I said to you, I was in the army for 25 years. Uh, I'm now uh, with the UN vets uh, in post 27 in Port Leash and I'm PRO for them. Uh, I'm also a, a sports uh, photographer and I have won many uh, awards for my pho- photographs. And I was on my way to Crow Park to a, 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 a conference and uh, I went up on the bus. Uh, I didn't drive up, and uh, I had my phone off and uh, turned it back on to check uh, uh, messages on it. And suddenly, I seen this photograph, and uh, I had to look twice. And to be quite honest with you, I got a bit emotional when I looked at it. I didn't even see what was down underneath it. Uh, what was down underneath it was a you, the man in the photograph. Now, normally. When you see something like this, you'd probably delete it or say it's a scam or something like that. But I just looked again, and the first thing that came into my mind was the text back, yes, I'm the man after all these years. And suddenly my phone went wild. <laughs> the, 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 what to call it? Uh, it, it, it was Colette. Uh, uh, she, she was delighted. Uh, I told her that I was going to a meeting that my phone would be off and I had dreamed her that evening. And uh, she's after staying there and she said on the late late that she feels that she knows me uh, uh, all her life. Uh, uh, what to call it? Uh, we were able to talk uh, 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 very easy. The, 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 you know, normally if you meet someone for the first time, it, it, it's hard to talk. But uh, uh, we talked and we talked about what happened and uh, and the way that she was found and things like that. And uh, uh, it, it just has gone from there. Uh, I'd like to thank her for 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 uh, uh, trying to find me because uh, it has come as a at a lovely time. My mother is in uh, a nursing home and. Uh, 
the, the, the being a, a, a bit of pandemonia here. She was robbed uh, eight years ago, uh, what do you call it? And this has bring a bit of joy into our life. It brought a bit of joy uh, to all my family, to my grandkids. I have nine grandkids, uh, but, and it has brought a bit of joy to me. And it has brought a bit of joy uh, to my friends in uh, the UN vets because uh, I'd been in Dublin last Saturday at a, uh, a memorial and uh, I was a kind of the hero of the day. The, 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 what you call it and uh, it's lovely and I hope that, that, that we can keep in contact Absolutely You will indeed I'm sure for yeah. years and years to come Thank you both for joining me on the show Wonderful story I'm going to Thanks let you go much. Paul Murphy is staying with me but Colette Ryan and Martin Rowe brilliant to talk to you both this afternoon <laughs> Thanks a million Thank you Thanks. Thank you very much indeed You're welcome Thanks. Paul Murphy the journalist who broke that story and of course former editor of the Drogheda Independent National Journalist working away with the Meath Chronicle Tell me this How are you keeping? You've been hospitalised recently Well uh, I've been in the wars Jerry, to a certain extent um, I had some eye trouble and I had uh, three operations in, on one eye in the last uh, month. So, and they were, I was all awake for them so I could hear what the surgeons were doing and all the rest of it. So um, it's, it's related to uh, torn retina and cataract and all that stuff, you know. But uh, I can see out of one eye and uh, I can see you, Jerry, which is a great thing, <laughs> Very you know. important and you can hear me as well, which is even more important. Sure, But sure. look, at, you have to go through a process now with this and it That's takes it. time for the, the site to come back. And That's it. Please, yeah. God, that will happen with time. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was to say to you, there's an old buddy of yours arriving here a little later on. Do you yeah. know a fella called Tom Leddy? I do, Tommy Leddy. Bye-bye now, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> you know he's 80 today yeah he's 80 is he 80 he is this very he doesn't day. look it the last time I met Tommy was at the, the launch of Rich, Ricky Gerrard's uh, uh, books the book yeah and I say books plural because yes. Jerry doesn't or, uh, <laughs> Ricky doesn't produce them in ones you know <laughs> Uh, so, you know, you get the full, the, the Encyclopedia, full that's Encyclopedia, what they are. Encyclopedia, yes. Of anything he does, he's but, brilliant. But Tommy met, was looking well. And we had a great chat in the Augustinian church there, mm. and uh, he looks he looks terrific. And uh, I wish, uh, Tommy, uh, uh, I wish you a very, very happy birthday, Tommy, and many more, and many more, Tommy. You're a young uh, fella. Absolutely, and you see, <clears throat> they don't make them like they used to when you talk about Tommy Leddy and you talk about Paul Murphy as well, <laughs> working away, producing brilliant stuff with the wonderful Mead Chronicle every week as well. Yeah. You love this, don't you? I love the game, yes. Yes, I can't give it up. I can't give it Why up. Why would you, Paul? No. When you're right. enjoying When yourself. you're happy. Yeah, That's it. and it That's keeps it. you busy and uh, involved in life. Yeah. What? Don't even think yeah. of that. Never. Don't and, leave that leave And that then aside. there's a bonus. I'm up before the judge twice a week. <laughs> 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 yeah, I am. I'm up before the judge twice a week. Do you call that a bonus? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, within the family, you're a talented bunch. We know Anthony and the rest of the crew as well. Yeah. Uh, there is another young lady. There's a next generation we do have to mention today. Oh, yes. Who is she? What's her name? And tell us what she's done. She's the granddaughter of my sister, Breda, and brother-in-law, Tommy Walsh. Uh, her name is Deirdre Walsh. Uh, she lives with her dad, James, and Lorraine, her mother, Lorraine, in RD. And Deirdre has, in the last few weeks, has joined the Navy at Holbow Line in Cork. We're on a, a Cork team today. So I wouldn't be surprised. This lady is so good. I wouldn't be surprised if she's, given, if she's not given command of a ship 
in the next month or two. Oh, no pressure. She's fantastic. No pressure from I Paul Murphy. I wish her very well. And of and course, we mention her, her, her sister, Anne-Marie, is an RD. So um, the, the, the concert band know all about them over there. Mm. Should they run the bloody place? You know? There you go. Anyway, watch this space <laughs> on that one. And of course, before you go, yeah. it's election season. Is that the time of year oh. when you and when it comes round, you really get... Well, I'm, I'll be doing... Uh, I'll be covering another count... Uh, you know, in a couple yes. of weeks' time. How many is. is this? Have you ever sat down oh, and tallied them? No, like they tally been, the votes. It's gone no. on since it's gone what? on since I've been covering since the early early sixties. Since he was in short pants, he's that's, covering counts. That's right, and he's back again. And all one. the excitement, you know. Oh. I'm glad we didn't get these voting machines because uh, I love the tally. Thank God, Paul. May it never change. Anyway, Paul Murphy, thank you for joining us about uh, the great story of the child found in Butlins all those years ago. And nice to see you there and wish you health and happiness. Thank Thank you very much, Thank Thank you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Opening launch sales offers are now available from Blackstone Motors and we are giving away a 191 Renault Clio. Get down to Blackstone Motors showrooms in Dundalk or Drogheda now to enter. As that well-known ad says, this woman is well worth waiting for. Yes, Margaret Madden is back with us. It's Book Club Day on Late Lunch. Margaret, great to see you again. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. We have some great... Well, Margaret has some wonderful recommendations for you. Her book of the month. We have a lovely fiction for you. A thriller and a classic as usual. And we have a brilliant... You would say that's a brilliant gift pack of books, yeah, would you? Yeah, I did say, can I enter? No. But, uh, you know, I can't take my phone no, you out. you can't. <laughs> you can't enter. We have six... Six wonderful books. I'll tell you more about those in a moment. It's a, a relatively easy question we have for you today and it's tied in with one of Margaret's recommendations as well. So make sure you have the number to get in touch with us 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text for the answers when I give you the question. Now we begin as always with your book of the month for the month of May on late lunch, which is Margaret? It is Rules of the Road by Kira Garrity. Why? Why? Oh, it's just wonderful. Um, I I think it's got huge attention internationally as well. So we're going to hear a lot about this one. Um, It's the story of Iris Armstrong, um, who has progressive MS and she has decided she would like to end her life before things get very, very bad. And her her friend Terry um, discovers that Iris is planning um, to do this and is not happy at all. They're they're very close friends. So Terry goes basically running after Iris um, on on her trip over to Switzerland and finds her at the the ferry port in in Dublin. And basically they go on the journey together. But they also have Terry's father with them who suffers from dementia. Um, there's reasons why he's with them and not in his home but uh, and that's the link actually dementia is the link that brought these two women into contact absolutely they met through the Alzheimer's Association where Iris is I think she's like the director of the local company Um, she'd be in her late 50s uh, whereas Terry's in her 40s and they would have nothing in common you would never put these two women together but they have this outstanding friendship that is just linked all the way through this is what this book is about it is about friendship Mm. Um, and they travel you see Iris is afraid of motorways and she's afraid of flying and she's afraid of everything so that's why she's going 
by road rather than flying over to Switzerland. And all of a sudden they're in this car together. And ironically, Eugene, who's Terry's father, the, the guy with dementia, um, used to be a taxi driver. And this is why this book is called Rules of the Road, because basically the only thing he remembers and um, verbatim are the rules of the road. So each chapter starts with him you know, reciting yes. all of these. It's so sweet. Mm. You know, it's a beautiful story of friendship, but it also shows how later in your life you can meet people who have such an impact. You don't, it doesn't have to be someone that you've been friends with your whole yes. life. I think that's the brilliant thing about this because we have to say, Terry has been married for years. Mm-hmm. She's a homemaker. She has two children that are grown up now. And Empty she does, nest syndrome. Empty yeah. nest syndrome is right, is in there. And she does everything for the husband, doesn't she? He works hard now, long hours, we have to say. But that woman just puts everything on the table, has everything right for him. She's yeah, that type. Yeah, but she has, you know, I kind of thought she's a little bit of the Eleanor Oliphant about her in that she, she's very precise, even in the way she dresses, the way she speaks, where she'll go, where she won't go. Um, everything is a, a routine. So she's really stuck in this world of routine uh, and all of a sudden this trip throws her out of her comfort zone completely. <laughs> and when she meets Iris, like Iris is the other end of the coin altogether, the other side of the oh, coin. Oh, she's, she's mad. She's totally mad hippie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's great fun um, and, and has no routine in life and um, the two just really gel together so well um, because Iris is helping Terry just as much as Terry is helping Iris. Mm. So this book really... Yeah, gotcha. I mean, if you liked Eleanor Oliphant, as I said, I think this is for you. And also, there was another uh, book I remember talking to you a long way back, all oh, back those years ago, Jerry. Um, Elizabeth is missing, so it it'd be that kind of feel to it. It's very warm, very funny, um, uh, but it does have serious threads to it. As well. Okay, so Rules of the Road by Kira Geraghty. Yeah, and it's just out uh, beginning of the month. Is it? Yeah, yeah, I think it was, it was out last. Yeah, it's it's you're going to see it everywhere. It's bright yellow and it's got a picture of a suitcase with a kind. <laughs> You know what I'm laughing at? I have that book. You have it upstairs. I I have it as well. Yeah, I have it as well. And you know, and I just see you with it there. So I do. And and Miriam is going to love this. Well, so you recommend? Absolutely, recommend it highly. This is the one to get this month if you're looking. Great holiday reading as well. Oh yeah, you'd love it to take it on the holidays with you to relax. Rules of the Road by Kira Geraghty. Two women, dementia in there. The link to as to where they met and they go on this incredible journey. Iris heads off and uh, the others in tow as well. So that's Book of the Month, Rules of the Road. Let's move on to uh, a brilliant war- work of fiction by the wonderful Sinead Moriarty. Oh yeah, isn't she great? This is her She's 14th great. book now, so uh, you, you would think that she'd be running thin on ideas and everything. She's not. She's amazing and she just keeps going. Now, uh, there's a bit of a thread here, isn't there, with the Irish female fiction, but it, it, it's a fabulous time of the year to get these books as well. You can just lose yourself in them. This is called Seven Letters and it's just, again, a beautiful, warm, touching read. But this one is, it has a dilemma in it. So we have Sarah and her sister Mia, um, best friends. They really are. Um, they're in their 30s. and I'm not 100% sure what age Mia is. Um, Sarah is now 13 weeks pregnant and delighted because she really, really wants um, a, a sibling for her seven-year-old Izzy. Um, but she she's crippling headaches and all of a sudden collapses and it turns out that she has a massive brain injury and ends up being technically brain dead and being kept alive on life support. And it's her husband, Adam, is insisting on keeping her alive to keep the fetus alive. Um, But she's 
she's actually decaying day by day and Mia wants to let her go with dignity. So it's the dilemma of should they yes, keep her alive? Yes, the sister and the husband. It, basically, she's an incubator. Mm. And it's the, the story, it's called Seven Letters because um, Sarah has, they find after Sarah has written letters to her little daughter Izzy on her birthday every year. Um you know, talking about how much she loves her. And, yeah, and, and that those seven tie in yeah. with the age of, of the daughter at yeah. the moment. But basically, this is a story of, of decision making and love and what is right. It's a, a fierce situation for anybody to find themselves Absolutely. in. Absolutely. And I think it is based on the story that I remember a few a good few years back, there was a, a woman being kept alive in Dublin, as far as I remember. Um, Who but, was pregnant. Exactly. But I think she was further on weeks wise. Mm. 13 weeks is is not a very viable... Yeah, it's early. It's, it's you know, it, it's 20, what is it, 26 weeks, I think, is... Mm. is and even then you're taking a huge risk. Mm. So could they keep her alive for another 13 weeks? Is it physically mm. possible? I know a lot of people listening today would say to you, it's viable from the word go. And of course, that was a debate well, we had last year, you yeah. know, and... and we I, won't I, go we into that because yeah. I think we'd end up yeah. fighting. Well, <laughs> we're not going to fight. We are, you and I are never going to fight. Yeah. Anyway, but... This is something that you can imagine a family being thrown into a situation like this mm. and having to make a decision. The doctors are waiting on the decision. Well, the doctors have their own opinions. Now, mm. I'm not going to ruin no. the story by saying what what that decision is and let you read it. But it's it's more the families. All of a sudden, this family, who were very, very close, split down the middle, you mm. know, because the, the girl's father, as in Sarah and Mia's father, he, he's he's older, he's a widow, he, he just wants to let his daughter go as mm, well. Mm. But Adam is the next of kin and Adam is distraught mm. and he knows that it's um, the sex of the baby. I, again, I won't ruin it. And, and he refers to it by name all the time, um, which makes it, as a reader, that makes it even more difficult for you because they're now identifying you've given the fetus a name. Yes. Um, um, but yet you can picture and they, they describe, I mean, Sinead describes so well what it's like to go and visit someone who's brain dead and is literally fading away day mm. by day and bloating and you know all that goes with that yeah. Seven Letters by Sinead Moriarty is the name of the book were you really an emotional wreck after uh, reading this were you in need of a therapy session uh, I did say I something on Twitter you, didn't I, I? <laughs> you did and I spotted it <laughs> I, I want to send her a bill for a therapist really mm. uh, you know I was a little I was I'm finding it hard to get to sleep. And yet you recommend it. I do, I do. I think it's it's so well written. Um, and it's, as I said, it's more about the family. It's more about the the split in the family. And, and which side would you take? How mm. how would you react? It's, okay. If you like um, Jodie Picoult, for example, she yes. always has a good dilemma in her book where yeah. you're kind of swinging, would I, wouldn't mm. I, would I, all the way through to the end. Okay. Well, there you have it. Seven Letters is the recommendation under fiction. Uh, heading uh, this month on Late Lunch Book Club from Margaret Madden. We're going to take a short break. Still to come, uh, we have a thriller for you. And a classic, of course, Margaret picks every month. I'll let you in on the secret. I'll tell you what the classic is because the question for these six brilliant books I have Claudia Carroll's The Secret The Secrets of Primrose Square Black Water by Cormac O'Keefe it's brilliant Senan Maloney's Titanic Jane Casey Cruel Acts If She Returned by who's S.A. Dunphy what's the name there do you know the Shane Shane Dunphy oh Shane I should have known that and The Accidental Spy by Sean O'Driscoll all those could be yours on late lunch today 086-1800-658 WhatsApp or text the answer to this question and your name, please, and contact details. 
the classic is one flew over the cuckoo's nest. But I want to know, that's about the book Margaret's going to talk. The movie, it was a smash hit, won five Oscars in all the major categories. What year was Cuckoo's Nest released? What year was Cuckoo's Nest released? Do you want a, want a hint? Will I give them a little hint? Will I? Yeah, because we'll yeah. I'm was struggling it, to think. Was it 74, 75 or 76? Ah, come on, that's cruel. 74, 75 <laughs> or 76. Margaret doesn't even know. No. Which year was it? Get answering as soon as you can and we'll tell you who's won before the end of the show. More from Margaret after this short break. Jerry, what was that question again for the books? Yes, the question is this. Margaret Madden's classic is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. We'll talk about it in a moment. I want to know which year was the movie released. The movie was released on a year. Was it 74, 1974, 75 or 76? You tell me. Answers to 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text. Now let's go on to your thriller. It is uh, Call Me Stargirl by Louise Beach. And my God, you have certainly picked them this month. And it ties in with you. With us here, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's with yeah. us. It does. As I was reading it, I, I was picturing it. Now, the only thing, basically, it's the story of Stella. She's a radio presenter and it's her last show. Now, she's working a night shift, so I couldn't see you in this building on your own, yo. You, <laughs> I have been. <laughs> you'd miss me too much. I would. I know you would. You're right, you're right. Uh, but basically, she throws out onto the air that... Um, that it is her last show and she wants to talk about secrets and to text in and WhatsApp your your biggest secret. Um, but the people are, are a bit slow at coming forward so she decides to start revealing her own. So that is, that is one thread and, and her secrets, um, there's a lot of them. But basically, uh, she also keeps getting phone calls to the station from a man who says he has information about a murder that has happened in the community where a pregnant uh, girl called Victoria had been murdered in an alley three weeks previous. And this man who keeps ringing up, he's doing teasers, I know who did it, and then he'll hang up. And then he'll ring back again, um, I want to meet you, um, I, I'm outside the station, um, she's she's getting gifts are dropped into the station. She's hearing noises. You know, you can picture yourself in a building like this on your own at night. It creaks. I can yeah. vouch for and it. She, it and, does. You know, Louise describes these creaks and everything so well. Like, you know, you're so, well, in my case, I was <laughs> sitting there reading it in, in my bedroom, which in an old house, which does creak. And I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus, <laughs> what, what's going on? Uh, but also through what I love about this as well is, and you would as the radio presenter is that is she each song that she plays is revealed through it as well you know so it's lovely in that way too you can There's send co- covert messages with songs you know that yeah. yes you yeah. can indeed to <laughs> specific people margaret can you oh you certainly oh, can that right. is for sure but you know what uh you won't remember this but there was a movie called play misty for me Okay. And it starred Clint Eastwood. Now, I'm showing me blimmin' age here. In fact, I wouldn't have known about it growing up, but in, in latter years I saw it. It, it, it. Again, talking about a release date, it was the early 70s, but he was a DJ, uh, okay. Clint Eastwood, in this movie, right? And he was a bit restless with life. And what did he go and do? He went and slept with another woman, okay? <gasps> and when he's back on the airwaves on the show, guess who starts ringing in? Oh, no. And yes... 
Yes. Oh, like in a boiler bunny kind yes. of way. Yes, now you have it. Oh. So I see a little parallel here. Do you okay. know what I mean? Uh, just, that's just quite a, a little an aside there. There's a, a wonderful side story to this as well in that Stella was abandoned by her mother at 12 um, and the mother reappears in this book and Stella's now 26. And Stella remembers back to what it was being like, what what it was like being dumped by her mum. And all she had of her was this glass perfume bottle with a, a, a kind of a crystal star on it. So that's mm. why it's called Call Me Star Girl. Yes. You know, so there's that lovely story that goes through it as well. It's a real um, page turner in that you, you're like, there's so much going on and you know that they're kind of interlinked, but how? Mm. And you just want to know what that man on the phone is talking about. Yes. Yeah. Who is he? Yeah. Is he the link Did to, he the, see it? to the vile deed? And why doesn't he just go to the police and mm. tell them? Why is he teasing Stella? It's intriguing. It's a brilliant storyline, isn't it? You yeah. have to say that. It but really... I love Louise's writing. I've recommended her books before. She doesn't get enough recognition over here. Um, she She really is a talented writer okay so yeah. look out for her work Louise uh, Beach is the name and the book the thriller you won't put it down yes no I definitely don't think you will <laughs> and they might be start whatsapping you with subliminal oh, messages it, then. It, it, it could happen it could happen <laughs> anyway you'll be up all night with this one it's a page turner for sure congratulations to Louise Beach wonderful call me star girl is the name of the thriller from Margaret Madden on late lunch book club this May now let's turn to the classic and oh yes the answers are flying in now they're <laughs> They're doing their. Are they right? Their, their, yes. They, this world today, so Google. you just Google, Google, and you get the answer, and the books could be yours. Anyway, one flew over the cuckoo's nest by Ken Casey, and it goes back to 1962. Why have you picked this as a classic? Well, I, I, I've read it before, mm. and years and years ago, and then recently I, I watched the movie, mm. and. I thought, you know what, this book, nobody talks about this book anymore. I'm mad about this fiction to film thing. Actually, it was one of our, our modules in college and I, I love this fiction to film. Was the book better? Was There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. And in this case, the movie was just as good as the mm. book. But I, I thought, you know, bring it back up. It's, I don't know. I, I think the asylum situation back in the 60s mm. um, was so horrendous that this is why the author chose to write it. Yes. And um, it, it just addressed things that weren't talked about. Well, you loved the movie, didn't you? Oh, I have to say, ask me any time. You know, I love asking people, what's your favourite movie of yeah. all time? So you're having a pint, this is a bit of trivia comes yeah, up. And yeah. it's amazing the way it gets going with people. If you ask it here on the airwaves as well, people will fire in the the, the ones they love. This is my favourite movie of all time. One Flew Over I the Cuckoo's Nest. I can see why, yeah. I, I, and you know what you said there, you watched it. It's not, I, 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 when I watched it originally, I've watched it about two or three times since, mm. only. But every time I look at it, I get something different from it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, and when you read the book, funny enough, you'll notice even more and you go, God, yeah. Now, mm. I, you know, because I've seen the movie more than I've read the book, obviously. Yes. But rereading it, you can really, and it's very, very close. But, in the book, it's narrated by Chief Brandon. Mm. It's not narrated by Mac. Yes. So you're getting to see it from a different perspective. Absolutely. Uh, excellent. Absolutely excellent. Every page in this book mm. is it's, poetry. It's, it's wonderful. It's so comedic. It's so sad. It's so harrowing on the other side. You have it all in there. And Nurse and, Ratchet. Oh, what can we my say? God. And oh, what a super Louise bitch. Fletcher. What a performance in the movie. An yeah. Oscar for an Oscar for Jack Nicholson for Randall McMurphy, the, yeah. the main character, and who went in to upset the apple cart with her. And, you know, I was saying to you before, and, uh, before we came on, five. It won the five Oscars. All five. Actor, actress, picture, director and screenplay. The top five mm-hmm. in the Oscars of uh, the following if year. If they were to have an Oscar of Oscars, I mm. think this would probably still it come would, out top, it would. wouldn't it? No, I do say it's of a different time and McMurphy is in uh, prison and has been in prison for an absolutely awful crime. And I, I see people criticise that as well. But you must remember, this was written in 1962. Yeah, wasn't it? It, it was statutory rape because yes. the girl involved was 15 and yes. he insists that she said she had yeah, been 17 older, or 18. Older, older. Uh, but the point, I think the point is that he lies, he pretends that he has psychotic episodes to get in here right. rather than go back to prison. Yeah. But Jesus, does that backfire in him because Ratchet mm. is on the case. Uh, you know, oh, she oh. controls everything. everything. Every, she rules the roost and she psychologically manipulates each and every man in that place. And they're so, they're like sheep. They just follow everything. They're medicated yeah. with that. They don't even That's question the thing, their Margaret, medication. It's the medication of the patients at that time. Their uh, minds are dumbed down, you mm. know, and the, the threat is as well of electric shock. That was the big thing, you know, that they'd be oh, taken yeah, they in. they get that electrotherapy the uh, regularly yes. if they do one thing out of place. Yeah. So this book uh, is worth revisiting. It a, is. As and I mean, re- this, this is, you know, this was based on real life. Mm. You know, it's not that long ago that these things were happening that we can, all you have to do is Google, um, 
um, electroshock therapy in Ireland and you'll see that it wasn't that long yes. ago it stopped it's a beautifully oh here I go with that word again I'm yeah. going to have to come up with it's an outstanding outstanding um, yeah. but um, sure look everyone has their crutch everyone has their crutch yeah and but I mean if you love the movie yeah. that much Jerry, you have to read the okay, book ok go back and yeah. read this book One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest by Ken Casey 1962 is Margaret's classic for the month of May so there you have it reminding you again book of the month is Rules of the Road by Kira Geraghty uh, Margaret's pick this month thank you so much for dropping in I want to play a song for you uh, just before you play it I have something for you oh no <laughs> this is a surprise and wrinkle wrinkle on air show me this it's a lemon tree I planted ah. for you <laughs> I don't believe you yeah that's why I chose this song you planted a lemon tree in this little pot yes I'm thrilled. Yeah, I, know I will you like bring your... that home. I will mind it. I will nurture it. And this Declan has tree ruined the day he bought me a greenhouse. Will a grow... greenhouse. Oh well, good man, Declan. <laughs> now you're now you're talking. You'll be in doing the gardening feature with me next. <laughs> anyway, just for you, why do you love this song? It's so happy, isn't it? It's just okay. it's underplayed. Let's just have a okay, bit of lightness. Just before we have it, reminding you again, the question to win the book club six books this month. If you'd like them, the question is: What year was the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest released? Was it seventy four, seventy five, or seventy six? Oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight by WhatsApp or text. Especially for Margaret Madden to round off book club in May. It's Lemon Tree. Thank you. Bye. I'm sitting here in the boring room It's just another rainy Sunday afternoon I'm wasting my time, I got nothing to do I'm hanging around, I'm waiting for you But nothing ever happens And I wonder I'm driving around in my car I'm driving too fast, I'm driving too far I'd like to change my point of view I feel so lonely, I'm waiting for you But nothing ever happens And I wonder I wonder how, I wonder why Yesterday you told me about the blue, blue sky And all that I can see Is just a yellow lemon tree It's a really exciting time of the year in colleges all around the country and DKIT is no exception. It's end of year shortly and school's out for summer or college out for summer. Some to come back in uh, the next term and beyond, but others to say goodbye to the college for good. No exception are the students from the film and television production aspect of the college. Uh, Their end of year showcase is happening at the IMC in Dundalk tomorrow afternoon from 2 to 6. Get in there and check it out. And there's a selection of work of first to fourth year students, short documentaries and music videos. But most importantly, the third year short films and fourth year TV projects premiere there tomorrow. And I have a number of the students with me today, along with the wonderful 
Miss Sarah McCann, one of the lecturers and producer and you name it, this woman has just done everything and she's with our students here today as well. Sarah, you're very welcome back to Late Lunch. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for joining me. You are a prolific producer of documentaries, television and radio yourself. Uh, I sure do a bit. (laughs) (laughs) No, she's playing it down. She does a bit, is right. I don't know how she keeps all the balls in the air at one time, but she does. Are you proud of this crew? Oh yeah, they're they're a great gang. Now I don't know how proud they are of me because I've kind of been the the woman with the whip for the last year. Um, oh, they but it's love needed. women with whips. <laughs> um, but yeah, they've produced amazing work, and to be honest, we're really looking forward to everybody seeing it on the screen tomorrow. And there's nowhere to hide on the IMC screen; it's huge. And yes. obviously, from a sound and picture perspective, we wanted the work to be top notch, really good quality, and is, it is. Have you gone to the IMC before? Yeah. So the the course, I suppose, has had a has had a couple of guises in the college. It was a video and film production degree a couple mm. of years ago. But then um, five years ago now, actually, it was kind of redesigned into a film and television production. So a four-year degree. So it's what we call an ab initio degree. You start in first year and go right through into fourth year. Um, so third years have always made what we consider to be like a film festival industry standard short film. And they've had really a lot of success over the last number of years getting their films shown at festivals, not only in Ireland, but internationally as well. So that's, it's like a narrative short. So they have to come up with anything up to 10 minutes and obviously they create characters they source locations they cast but you know what we're trying to get them to do is produce what would be let's say in the industry a 50,000 euro budget short that would be what you'd get from a like Screen Ireland which is the Irish Film Board but we're essentially getting them to try and reach that quality and that production value on a zero budget yeah. <laughs> or I suppose on a budget they raise themselves yeah shoestring it's, it's, a, it's a big ask but yeah. what preparation that is for the real for the world if you go into it and you know to be uh, prepared like this is invaluable what about the creativity of the guys we have here with us today and in general is it alive and well is it better than ever how would you rate it you've seen many students pass through yeah yeah. I've been in Dicati now since 2004 Mm. so that makes me feel quite old don't be Um, honest (laughs) she's only a young one she was there (laughs) from she was 14 go on but um, I think yeah in like this year I think we can very much stand over um, every single year the quality gets better um, and I do I suppose believe that's a lot you know due to I suppose the amount of work that the students put in but then every year I suppose we look at what didn't didn't work last year and we make a change and you know so every year I suppose we're trying to fix things ourselves as well mm. um, and I suppose this last year was the first year where we had this fourth year major project so these guys Pork and Leanne have been through I suppose the second rendition of this where instead of making something for film festival they're making something for TV so they have to look at RTE Channel 4 TV3, UTV, everything and they have to figure out, okay, if I was making a TV programme for that slot, not only is it longer than making a 10 minute short film for a festival, but also it has to have like a funding model associated with it. They have to know where they'd get the budget for it. And then again, they have to go and make it. So, you know, the the amount of work the students is putting in every year, I have to say, is really, it's it's growing exponentially. Well, we have a sample of the great work from DKIT with us today. Let's begin with the third years first. And Evan Kelly is with us. He's director of Sky's the Limit. Now, I particularly like this, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But tell us, what is the Sky's the Limit all about? Um, Well, Sky's the Limit... Uh, kind of follows a young boy named Francie Murphy. He gets inspired by the 1969 Apollo 11 moon landing and takes it upon himself to kind of, you know, chase his dreams to one day reach the moon. Do you know what day man first walked on the moon? Uh, well, 
<laughs> See, I was prepared for this. I'm not going to put you on the spot. It's a difficult one. It was the 16th of July, 1969, when Neil Armstrong... Apollo 11 first stepped on those famous words one small step for man you remember that Giant so well. for mankind, yeah. <laughs> absolutely uh, and, and I saw that happening as, as a young fella Talk, don't you be talking about age to me Sarah McCann <laughs> I remember sitting with my dad watching black and white television and one channel land or two channel and there it was happening and it was a magical moment that's just an aside to what we're talking about w- 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 were you inspired by that was that the inspiration behind this uh, yeah in a way uh, because every you know it's a very relatable story because every young boy kind of has them dreams have them ambitions to kind of make more from themselves and kind of putting it in a older uh, period kind of drama piece it kind of puts uh, Francie in a position against like this closed-minded community who don't really accept his dreams or accept his ambitions and kind of see past that as like oh it's just a kid you know being a kid. I think it's brilliant. And Francie, the name, you know what I mean? Mm. It's any Irish lad living in any uh, town, city or village in, in the country as well. So he has this dream and he carries and people think he's a bit, oh, oh go bit to the mad, moon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they thought man was mad when they said that the round, the world was round, you know, and, and the moon is history at this stage. H- how long does it run for Sky's the Limit? Uh, it's about 10 minutes long. Okay. Yeah. And is it just about Francie? Is he the only one in it? Uh, no, it follows kind of Francie's family and, you know, throughout the story he kind of gets uh, resistance from the people he meets, okay. for example, like a school teacher, bullies, his family mm. as well. And that kind of like uh, encourages Francie to like finally go off and try to accomplish his dreams. I won't ask if he does. You have to go to the IMC exactly, tomorrow to yeah. find out what happens. I'm intrigued already. I want to know. You can whisper to me afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, making it, what, what about when you, you, you see the finished product? You're very proud, very happy? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, a lot of time and effort was put into kind of giving off the authentic feel of 1969 and a lot of money as well. Mm. Uh, and I think the final piece is, like, really good in mm. terms of, like, a period drama kind of setting the audience into this world even though yeah, it's all in modern times and yeah that. brilliant well done to you I, I, as I said Evan I really like it because it brought home to me a memory I have from my childhood as well uh, Brian Rogers is with us welcome to the show Brian good to see you thank and, you for uh, having me you foxed me a bit with the title of your one because when I saw Ghost Estate I thought ah it's about you know these people who end up in this place with houses around them half finished the world is bust Ireland is bust not so no, no, not at all. It it is it does play on you yeah, on the housing housing estate crisis, uh, something my father worked on years ago. So it is it is a callback to that, and yeah, the title may sort of mislead you, but it's not really like that at all. But then again, the title is is a hint to what it is. Mm. Therefore, ghost is present. It really is about a haunting. Yeah, a, a, uh, a demon. Yeah, it's it's pretty. It's about. Uh, uh, young couple's lives who are who, that are shifted into chaos uh, as they discover their new home is haunted by a demonic presence, and it's about them trying to get rid of that. But that it, it's not it's not like your typical ghost type of story. It's it's a really character study. It's about this couple and their uh, feelings being suppressed and then being released by the f- uh, forces of the ghost. Mm. So it's. It's not, you know, oh, ghost hiding in the dark corner. Yes. It's not like that at all. Okay. It's really, it has a bit of a, a black comedy tone to it. It really is. It's not even really a haunting at all. Okay. So 
uh, yeah, it's yeah. Well, like, it's like I said, it's yeah, deeper. Go and see it. See what it's all about. Look it up. Tell me this: Were you inspired again? Same question to you. Did uh, any real life experience, you know, bring this to you? Uh, no, uh, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so because uh, first of all, I didn't write the script. <laughs> okay. If, if anything, I just I just put the pieces yeah. together and edit. You edited this, okay? Yes. So we know what editing is. Drive you mad, as Sarah McCann nodding profusely there. Leave it out. Leave it, and I'll keep that. I'll get rid of that. That must drive you crazy at times. Um, no, it, it can be like you just gotta treat it like is your job. You just do it, and you know what to do based on the storyboards, and then you deliver to mm-hmm. your superiors. And you do the changes they want to do, and you okay. So you're under direction, pretty much. So this man, uh, Evan Kelly, you were the director. You had full remit over everything yourself. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, there's nothing like being your own boss and everything. Exactly, and yeah. poor Brian had to answer to other people as editor and take instructions from them. What does co-producer mean? Co-producer. Well, in DKT uh, terms, uh, I. A co-producer can just uh, be pretty much take up some tasks uh, the producer of uh, our project would do, such as I uh, reached out and got us actors. I casted the auditions and I helped. Good. I helped with some props and stuff like that. Very good. Um, yeah. But pretty much, like there, there's so many different titles for that. Like that'd be a casting director essentially. Yes. But, so I guess in in the Real world, that 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 would be that would be where uh, I would be called a casting director. When you're working on those million pound budgets and multi million, don't you worry, you won't be doing all them tasks. You'll be just assigned one, and you'll have to do that. You got a lot from this. Is that what you see? Like just with both of you again before we finish, and we'll come on to the others in a moment. Is that where you see yourself going in this type of area? You know, when you when you move on after yeah. your final year. Yeah. See, I got this year it was uh, very good for me because I got a taste of both uh, a little bit of producing, and that's opened okay. my, that's opened my interest a lot more. You know, that's that's the money business. That's where you're gonna. That's that's that's, that's, that's like you got to be patient for. It, Show but. me the money. Do you remember that one? Yeah, Evan. What about you? Oh yeah, definitely. I think. Directing is kind of like what you passion, want to see. Yeah. Okay, Scorsese. I see him here today. I'm looking <laughs> at him. Anyway, short break on late lunch and still to come. Yes, they're leaving DKIT. It's the Mullins Park and Leanne next. Stay with us. Oh, yeah, DKIT students have their big showcase tomorrow. You have to get along. IMC Dundalk from 2 to 6 o'clock. Let's talk to the people who are leaving the college. The four years. Porrick Mullin and Leanne Mullin are with me. Let's talk to Porrick first. Porrick dysphoria tell me about this it's a tv drama yeah yeah um so i actually pitched the idea first um back in september so dysphoria is a tv drama it's a crime detective series uh set in the year 2050 in ireland um under the precedence that the gardashi o'connor don't exist anymore and what's in place is a police on demand service which kind of acts like uh, my taxi or uber so you pull out your phone you call the guards and that's yeah that's how it so works. the guardy are gone in 2050 there's alarm at the uh, the different conferences that have been going on with the guard sergeants and and rank and file when they hear this at the moment so police on demand does that mean in a way that the if you can pay the piper you can call the police and if you can't you're in trouble yeah so the story itself is centered around this sort of elitist police force where only the rich can afford to have the police come and help them and then anybody who is sort of in a, in a lower class than that they can't afford it's like uh, the health service force. in america be the sound of things but yeah. there you go <laughs> and this is this is a, a vision you have is this a vision of yours um 
it it started out like that. The idea for Police on Demand um, was something I was toying around with back in September, and then I had the opportunity to pitch it as a TV series. So that's where it came from. Um, so it would have been yeah, that that's it started kind of just from from an idea. And are you director of this or director of photography, or where uh, do you fit in? I'm director of photography, so I I'm overseeing all of the visual aspects. Okay, which is kind of a collaboration between myself and then the director. Okay, and is it a 50-50 collaboration or did he come up with this or did you come up with this together? Uh, it was a, the director's a, a she just... Oh, she, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, let's, who is she? Name her, name her. Uh, so Sienna's the director, Sienna okay. Sherlock. Well um, it's a 50-50 collaboration, so if I yeah. have ideas for visuals, me and Sienna would talk about it and then we'd... What the visuals are meant to do is enhance the story and, and boost it yeah. and the story is the core of the project um so the visuals were meant to yes i hear the premise of this aiden kelly is the uh one of the uh, police on demand and he's facing a huge dilemma himself isn't he in this yeah yeah so aiden is our core protagonist um aiden doesn't want to fall into the corruption that has kind of become known uh with the pod so he's kind of he's trying to fight against the system but he's a police officer in his heart and he, he wants to help people and this is the only way he can do it but he doesn't want to become corrupt so it's sort of a, a fight between yeah. what's right and what's wrong yeah. and that's good and bad yes basically black and white dark and evil you name it it all has it in this yeah. again delighted with the outcome yes uh, mm. definitely changed a lot from obviously the start to the finish yes. there's a lot of projects but it's where it is now is the accumulation of months of work and hours of idea generation and just of course lots of lots i don't of think people realize the actual amount of work there that goes on behind yeah. the scenes with these guys yeah like i suppose just to keep i know i harp on sometimes about it but even in the college but what these guys are able to do like there are so many moving parts so like you you have a script and you have an idea but then you have to figure out locations cast you have to schedule there's availability there's transport there's catering like mm-hmm. we've uh, four ideas shot here brian's idea or brian uh, Brian, the fine, Brian's film um, was shot in Leash. Um, this film here was shot. Sky's the Limit was shot between Carlingford, Dundalk, and Greenore kind of areas. Mm. You know, um, we had Dysphoria was shoot it was shot in Dublin, Le- and in Laos mostly, but between yeah. Dundalk and Drogheda. Mm. So like they have to coordinate like equipment, everything like catering, mm. um, costume. You have period dramas. You have drama set in the future. You know, you, there's just so much work. And That's in terms brilliant. of Leanne's show that she's going to talk about now, they had like a live and entire live TV show Leanne with the, comedians Leanne, and everything. Leanne you know? had the easiest. She, she had the easiest <laughs> Not gig. Really. Leanne, I'm, I'm only <laughs> <laughs> Leanne, welcome to Late Lunch. Leanne Mullen. Yeah. Come here and tell me. Come here and tell me. The name of this is Come Here Till I Tell You. What is it? What is it? Uh, it's sort of a, it's a comedy panel show basically centred around um, the charm of Irish humour. And... and <laughs> Did you pick characters that are known to people in the country? Are these new characters that you created? Yeah, I kind of want to go for a bit of both of familiar faces as well as sort of newer um, up and coming um, comedians and that sort of thing. Just to kind of like, there's so much going on in Ireland at the moment, especially in uh, the comedy scene. And I think a lot of it goes kind of um, not unheard of, but sort of a bit more unrecognised. Yes. I think by bringing in some newer people and newer faces as well as the old, it would give people a, so a, a combination to watch. of both. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a, a game show, a, a, a TV show with a game element to it. Yes. 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 Uh, but comedic—that's the main thing about it. Yeah. Yes. Sending up people, uh, sending up institution stories. What? All of that. 
Uh, but it was kind of a, along the lines of um, just there was a lot of doom and gloom in the media at the moment. Okay. So I kind of just decided that we needed to bring it home a bit and kind of bring it back to the whole. Okay, very good. Yeah. Uh, and badly needed, may I say. Mm. Um, this was an outside broadcast for you, okay, mm. and a live show. Yeah. So you had one shot at it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. No pressure. Sorry, sorry, no lads. Pressure, sorry, sorry, lads. I take all back. I said a moment ago, this woman had the most difficult task. Mm. She could. So you had to deliver it there and then. Yeah. That yeah. pressure. Bit of pressure. A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Yeah. With it. Yes. <laughs> I think it was a lot easier in terms of obviously we didn't have to find locations or anything. Of course. But then on the day, like you said, you kind of get one shot, mm. and it's time to a T, so you can't miss any of that. But. Annie, you know, when you finished, did you say I oh, could have done that? Maybe did this when you look at it. How did you feel? Are we? Are you totally happy? Uh, there was a few things, yes, that we could have changed, but the same thing is um, you just got to work around it in the edit and you yeah. just got to get mm. through it. Like I put all my trust in our editor and she mm. did a great job pulling it together. And um, so things like when you see audience members clapping, it's usually covering something up. <laughs> and that sort of thing. <laughs> Don't be giving yeah. away the tricks of the <laughs> yeah. trade. Folks, I have to leave it there for today. Wish you well with all your futures, mm. uh, wherever you may go. I know, uh, Leanne, you're heading for the States. Wish you well mm. with that. But all of you, wherever life takes you now, you've got a great experience here. Wonderful people looking after you, like the likes of uh, Sarah McCann as well. And good luck with the uh, big day tomorrow. I remind you again to go along, call in. They want to see you there. You'll enjoy it's so much going on it's happening in Dundalk at so the IMC from 2 to 4 and then 4.15 to 6 thank you Sarah thank you all for joining me Evan Kelly Brian Rogers Porrick Mullen and Leanne Mullen it's been a pleasure to meet you all today thanks thank you Jerry. In the music and entertainment business, it's safe to say he's well known the length and breadth of the land and beyond. Why? Because, of course, he is the man who brought us the sound shop, originally on the keys in Drogheda, now beside his beautiful TLT Theatre in Drogheda. I'm delighted to welcome to Late Lunch on his 80th birthday, Tommy Letty. Tommy, you're welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's great to see you. And may I say, you are looking a picture. Did you cycle to us today? I did, of course, yeah. But really, I'm not really 80. I'm over 60. (laughs) (laughs) I just looked at the date. 15th of May, 1939. A war baby. A war baby. I was born in Wolverhampton. And when war broke out, I was born in May. War broke out on 5th of September, I think. And my mum took under the arm back to Clonakilty. Where she was from. Where she was from. And then she uh, stayed there until Christmas and went back to England because my dad had moved up to Ellesmere Port, which is south of Liverpool. And we stayed there for about a year. And funny, the house that we lodged in there, number three Stanley Road, is owned by my niece now. Isn't Isn't that that an ironic coincidence? It It really is. And your dad was a Kells man, Paddy. And you came back to Ireland then, did you, the family? We came back to uh, to Drada. I had a aunt living in Drada, Mrs Plunkett in Scarlet Street. And we came back and stayed with her for a while. And then we lodged in Narrow West Street. And then we moved from that to Free School Lane. And we lodged there. Then we moved to the back of the Cord, Cord Terrace. And we lodged there with a woman called Mrs McConville who got sick and my mother nursed her for a while then and she died. 
So uh, then they wanted us out of the house. We were being evicted. So uh, my dad at the time was working on the Gate Cinema. and uh, The building of it? The building of the Gate Cinema. And Jemmy Whelan, you don't remember Jemmy. Lived across the road from us on the North Road. That's right. He was working down with Texaco, yeah. down the lane. And he came up and my father says to him, Here, Jemmy, you're evicting us. What do you mean, Paddy? What been evicted in the back of the card? Is that you are evicting? Yeah. Oh, don't mind that. And he went up and he just stroked it off the book. <laughs> and you stayed? Oh, yeah. And that became your home there? Yeah, that became my home. And eventually we bought the house, probably for a couple of hundred pounds or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, when you think of, when you say that word lodging, people might know today, lots of people lodged with people, oh, yeah. didn't they? That was the norm then. Yeah. You lodged, you got a place to lodge. Mm. And uh, we'll say, I was the only child when we were in Narrow West Street. Do you know where Maliki Callan's office is? Yes. Up there. Mm. And I can remember back in those days looking out the window at cattle uh, going into a yard there. And I remember saying to people, I said, there was some kind of a cattle yard there. There was not. I'm telling you, there was. When there'd be a fair on, the farmers would store their cattle there before going home. I suppose they'd go for a few pounds. Yes. And then collect them. And, and you remember home. that as a oh, small do, yeah. boy yeah. there, yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> look, at, you've, you've done so much and in your lifetime. It'd be impossible to cover it all in the, in the short time we have today. Yeah. I want to skip on a bit and, and talk to you about, you know, uh, you began playing music in the Whitworth Hall, an accordion at the Scouts concert. Was that when it yeah, began yeah, for you yeah. in the 50s? Yeah. Joe Farley, I think he's still alive. He formed a band called the Sun Ray Cayley Band. And uh, Tom Sullivan, and myself, and uh, I think it was Mal Caffrey, and we were in the band now, do you remember the Farleys from uh, those Joe, Luke and Phil? They they were from down... Uh, You're getting a message. There's the birthday message for Tommy. <laughs> it just shows you alive. And we are on Facebook Live. If you want to see this great man and see the shape he's in, do join us in Facebook Live here at the moment. It does show it's live. It does. Yeah. You're yeah. getting the message. See yeah. the list in here, Tommy. Go on, anyway, the Farleys. But any of the Farleys, they were... Uh, their business was... They were in the butter business. Mm. They were smugglers. <laughs> <laughs> At that time, I'm sure there's no harm saying it now because it's a long, it's a long time, time ago. ago. Yeah. They used to bring the butter in and sell it here in, in Drawd and District, you know. Yeah, yeah. But Joe was a drummer. And uh, we played in the band with Joe for a while. But then... Uh, <clears throat> We formed the Topper Show Band. Yes. You know, that would be in back in... Uh, Mid-50s? Yeah. And names like Tommy Moon and Podge Tommy Reynolds. Moon, be good to him. Tommy Podge or Reynolds, mm. Mal Caffrey and uh, Donnelly, uh, mm. who was the drummer. Yes. Lots of great names. Yeah, but look, yeah. you went on and, of course, you were involved as well in the pantomime society reforming and years of associations there with that. And then how did the sound shop happen? What year did it open? <clears throat> well, I worked in Bellews. Yes. For years. Yeah. 
And I uh, worked in values and I uh, was playing in the band at night, driving a lorry during the day. Tough going? was, yeah. And uh, Sean McAvoy, my partner, he was at college learning to be an engineer, you know, an electronic engineer. And uh, We were pals. His father was a pal of mine, you know. He worked in values as well. And I remember saying to him one day, do you know we should start a shop? And uh, I'll sell the stuff and you fix it. <laughs> and <clears throat> we started the shop, yeah. What year did it open? Uh, that was 1968, mm. you know. And you've been going ever since? Ever since, yeah. <laughs> going ever yeah. since is right. Look, when you look at your 80 years, you're only over 60, I know you That's said that it, to me. Yeah. But when you look at these of the decades, have you any favourite decade in your life? Uh, Not really. I suppose the year I got married would would have been my favourite. <laughs> what year was that, Tommy? Uh, I was married, I was 16, and Marie was 22, you know. That's a lie. That is a lie, that's <laughs> right. What year were you married? Uh, I was married in 1961. Okay. Yeah. And you mentioned your lovely wife, Marie. Yes, Marie and yeah. she only passed away. Correct, yeah. In Last recent August, Yeah, in recent yeah. times. And I know yeah. you visited her. Every single day, twice a day? Twice a day, yeah. When she was in St Mary's, was it? Yeah, in the Bind View. Bind View, yeah. and great people up there. Oh, oh brilliant. The best in the brilliant, world. Yeah. You miss her oh, an yeah. awful lot. Really, yeah, mm. I do. She was a huge part of your life, <coughs> yeah. wasn't she? And the kids miss her as well, you know. Yes. When I say the kids, <laughs> the youngest of the kids, I think, is what, 35, 36. <laughs> They're always kids, Tommy. Yeah, that yeah, never yeah, changes yeah, in the yeah. eye of the dad, does yeah, it? And absolutely. the grandkids, of course. Yeah. And, and great. And great-grandchildren yeah. as well. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Isn't it great? We have, one, we have 20 grandchildren and one great, one and a half great-grandchildren. One and a half. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um... When you look in your life, it's been a wonderful, wonderful life. And there's yes. lots more to come. Hang yeah. on a minute. There's loads to be done yeah. yet and lots to be lived. Yeah. But you've had the knocks and the bumps and the good times and the difficulties. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I retired about five or six years ago, you know. Mm. I only work the six days now. Yes. Yeah. I'm up there at nine o'clock every morning. Okay. And I work until about three or four. <laughs> <laughs> It's great. Yes. And you it know. keeps you involved oh, and yeah. interested yeah. and that is so important, isn't I it? I would advise anybody like me mm. to keep working, keep busy, you know. Is that one of the secrets of oh, yeah. healthy life? Definitely. And, yeah. Yeah? yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wanted to acknowledge you today that you, being this great age and all that you've achieved, and I do want to say to you that your children... All right. Madeline, yeah. Mary, Emer, Anne-Marie, David, Patrick and Adam. Have I covered them all off there? They'll leave anyone out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's it. <laughs> yeah. The magnificent seven. I know they're all so proud of you. Oh, yeah. And what you've yeah. done. And yeah. you are such a united, yeah. wonderful family. Yeah. The Leddy family yeah. as well. Yeah. And I know they send you all their good wishes today on this special day. Have you a party arranged? Uh, we, we're... It's not a party. We have, we're getting together above for a meal up in uh, 
I can never think of the name of that hotel. Yep, the Dublin Road. Okay, the Glenside. The Glenside. You're yeah. heading there, are you? Yeah. Well, actually, ahead of that, Tommy Letty, we want to uh, do something for you and wish you well today. Because here comes our Louise. She's on her way, I believe. Come on, Louise. Happy Come birthday on. to you. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you, Louise. <laughs> Happy birthday you want me to, blow to <laughs> you. Come Hi, on, Tommy. <laughs> well done you. to you. A little, little cake there yeah. just from us to you yeah. on LMFM Radio today. Much, and yeah. that was Miss Kylie Minogue, you know, giving you a little serenade there. Oh. That was Kylie with the happy birthday for you, Tommy. What about that? There's no doubt about it. I was going to say something that I normally say. She must be after me, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Tommy, don't knock it. I'll tell you one thing. You are in some shape for for, for the man. Anyway, the TLT is alive and kicking and you have lots of wonderful lads. I see Tommy Tiernan is on his way. Tommy Tiernan is on this Second night, hasn't he? Two nights. He booked out and there's the second night nearly gone at the moment above. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that that's a, a big artist, part of yeah. what you're at as well, and keeping the show on the road there, oh, yeah. and the sound job. It's still the go to go to place, Tommy. For oh, people, yeah. they still come to you from all over the they country. Do, yeah, yeah. You should see some of the the uh, stuff on Facebook today mm. from Cork, from everywhere. Customers that I had forgotten all about, you know. But they don't forget about you. They don't forget about oh, me. Oh, no. How could you ever forget <laughs> about Tommy Lenny? Yeah. So the bike keeps you mobilised and keeps gets you mo- from yeah. A to B yeah. and yeah. you love it. I do. There's a little electric motor on it. Ah, well, listen. <laughs> wouldn't you be entitled to that yeah. at this stage? Well, so if you're going up the hill, you just give it a little tip, is it? And she takes you on. Well, it's just when I'm going up, I can cycle up. Uh, Barrick Lane on it. <laughs> you know? My God, it's something I couldn't do. Yeah. Oh, you could if there was a little more. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody pushing me. <laughs> oh, God, the steepness I think of that. Yeah. But look at, you were born in the UK, as you mentioned, yes. and lived for a little time there. You came to Ireland and Drogheda became your home. What What does Drogheda mean to you in your, this oh, town? Drogheda means everything to me. It's Drogheda. <laughs> Not Drogheda. <laughs> D-R-A-W-D-R. Yes. I, uh, we always, all the locals, now, <clears throat> we'll say, I went to school in St. Patrick's in uh, Scarlet Street, and every one of them went to school in Drogheda. Hmm. You know? <laughs> the Drogheda came out, I think, when, with, with the the uh, Australian thing. Do you remember Drogheda. the drama, Drogheda? Yeah. Yes, yes. And I know it's pronounced... Uh, uh, spelt Drogheda mm. but nobody says Dundalk no you know yeah yeah which is the Dundalk uh, yes. way of saying it so I say Drogheda give it its proper name yeah you're 80 today and again yes. happy birthday to you thank you and looking forward and positive and happy in your own self oh, all yeah. these years on yeah. and looking forward to the next year and the yeah. one beyond that and all that it brings yeah. Well, I said to uh, the kids, you know, we uh, were down in uh, in Clonakilty last weekend and they said it was great getting together, the eight of us, you know. I said, look, we won't do this for another 10 years now. That sums it all up, doesn't it? The next decade 
will be the best decade because yeah. it's the one that's ahead of you, Tommy. That's and right. I think that's always the yeah. way to look at it as well. It's brilliant. Well, listen, thanks for coming in to us. Thank I know you, you have lots of celebrations ahead and we've had lots of good wishes coming to us for you, Tommy Letty, this afternoon. Thank you very much. And uh, I, I'm not a bit surprised at that. Your good friend Paul Murphy was with us here earlier on. Oh, and yeah. Paul said to wish you well as well that he Thank wouldn't you. be here to see you, Thank but you. just among all the good wishers. And on behalf of so many people in the music industry, uh, in life in general, and the joy that you've brought, Tommy Letty, to thousands upon thousands of people. Not alone in Drada, but in the, the North East and beyond over the years. We want to say today a big thank you to you on your very special day. Thank you And very wish much, you Jerry. many, many years of health and happiness. And there they are again on cue. More messages rolling into the great yeah. man. There's only one yeah. way to finish late lunch today and I ain't finishing the show. Will you do it for me? What's that? Ah, oh, <coughs> come on. Bye bye now. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Opening launch sales offers are now available from Blackstone Motors and we are giving away a 191 Renault Clio. Get down to Blackstone Motors showrooms in Dundalk or Drogheda now to enter. LMFM Podcasts. Brought to you with Cartmac Cross Credit Union where you'll find the best car loan to get you on the move. Talk to one of our team today at Cartmac Cross Credit Union O'Neill Street or cartmaccrosscu.ie.